Hey, girl. How you been? Good. Oh my God, it's so good to see you. It's Thank really you. Nice it's been so long. It really has. I'm loving your outfit, girl. Thank you. Look, we coordinated with the green. Okay. <laughs> but look, okay, let's get to the tea. Okay. Tell me. So I actually have someone that I want you to meet. I'm not looking for a relationship right now. Really? I mean, I think he'll be perfect for you. You know, we talked about your type last night. Like, he's so cute. You should meet him. And then you'll have someone. No, I'm actually really happy being single right now. I mean, I hear you, but you can always be happier. I don't have to be in a relationship to be happy. I don't understand why people believe the lies of being single. Now, can y'all give it up for Jesus this morning? Come on, can you make some noise for Jesus? I do that every Sunday because that's what it's about. We are here for him. All of this is by him and it's being done through him. And so please don't forget that message that this is all about Jesus. And I'm excited. Did y'all enjoy that? Like, listen, I told y'all, like, listen, we, we got some Golden Globe winners, some actors and actresses in this church. We didn't hire anybody for that. And uh, shout out to to Matt and Emily who helped us uh, produce that and absolutely uh, crushed it and Asia and Jocelyn. There's one coming up for every week of this new collection uh, that we're starting. And so if you're new here and you're like, what are you talking about today? We're kicking off a new collection called Can We Talk? And it's a collection uh, centered around relationships and uh, not just relationships because, well, let me say this first. We believe this, that if you want to get life right, you have to get relationships right, right? Are y'all tracking with me? If you want to get life right, you have to get relationships right. And not just the relationships that we have with one another, but relationships of the romantic type as well. And so for the next uh, four weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about, relationships. And, and you may say, oh, man, I'm gonna, I might tap out uh, for the next four weeks. Please don't, because there's, there's something uh, for everyone, this, we're like, like, like we're coming for, we're coming for you, okay? I mean that in, in a good sense. Because I feel like we, we need to be empowered and we need to live in the right uh, truth around relationships because uh, they're so vital and such an important part of our lives. And so we're going to have conversations like, you know, hey, we're kind of one year into this thing. Or we kind of been doing this thing for a while and kind of lost the spark. How do we get the spark back? How do we get, how do we get the flame back? We're going to have a conversation like, you know, what, what, what are the questions that every couple should ask? How are you when you get angry? You got anger problems in, in, in your family's history? Because I, I just need to know, right? Some of those questions. We're going to talk about what do we do when the conversation ends? When all of a sudden she's always busy right now. When she can never get back with you. But then her Instagram tells another story. What do you do? Uh, but today, today we're going to address this, the lies about singleness. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. The lies. Can you all say that with me? The lies about singleness. And we're going to use, now before I say that, if you're married in here, don't, don't check out. Don't start, you know, playing snake on that old Nokia you have. Like, don't do that. Like, stay with me because I have 
there's something that we're going to talk about with you if you're married as well. So you're a vital part of this conversation. So I need you to mentally stay right here. Stay here with me. And we're going to use 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I got 10 verses. Can y'all, can y'all, y'all can hold it for 10 verses? Y'all, y'all good? Matthew, you're going to be good for 10. I got 10 verses. 1 Corinthians 7, 25 through 35. And again, if you are new here, we're so excited that you're here. My name is Michael, and alongside my wife, Katie, uh, we get the privilege of, of leading this community, the Becoming Church, and really excited that you've been introduced to it today. So here we go, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25, and this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote this letter speaking. He says this, now regarding your question, or actually, before I get into it, let me give a little little context like I started to do. So uh, 1 Corinthians is one of several letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in Corinth. Um, it's a church that he, he actually planted. And it's believed that there may be about uh, four letters or so uh, that he wrote uh, to the church. And, and basically, uh, let me tell you a little bit about this city. This city was wild. There were a lot of crazy things going on in, in Corinth. And, and if you think our world and, and where we are today is, is wild. Like, just go read First and Second Corinthians because, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. You'll see a lot of what took place there in that city uh, happening in our world today. And so there was lots of just chaos and just corrupt way of thinking, twisted uh, theology and ideas uh, that people were, were living out. And a lot of that started to creep into the church. And it started to be lived out into the church. And so they would have questions. And, and so they would ask questions back and forth to Paul in the form of letters. And then he would respond. And so that's where we're picking up today to one of their questions in verse 25 that says, Now regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted. And I will share it with you. Because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, well, let me say this, because there's lots of crazy things happening and persecution and all kind of things. And Paul's like, yo, there's a whole lot going on right now. Just chill. You don't need to be worried about all that stuff. Just relax. So verse 27, he says, if you have a wife, do not seek the end of marriage. Because some people say, yo, it's so crazy. Do I, do I need a divorce her? Like, what, what, what do I need to do? He says, if you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. If you're married, do not look at your spouse at that point right there. Be careful how you laugh, too. But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absor absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. Verse 32, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord 
and holy in body and in spirit. But a married man has to think about her, his, uh, excuse me, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Then verse 35, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Come on, let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. God, thanking you for this time that we share. We're grateful, Lord, for this opportunity we have to gather around your word. And Lord, and we just say this, God, Holy Spirit, we, we need you. You're omnipresent, so you're already here. But Lord, we want to be aware of your presence this morning. God, may our hearts be ready to receive God, your word that never returns to you void. So give us eyes to see. God, give us ears to hear. Let us take the position of a servant, Lord, and and let's say, speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, come on, everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, Matthew. You know, I remember, I remember when I was single. And let me tell you, that was, that was a very interesting time. It wasn't interesting because I was single. It was interesting because of the context in which I was single. Here's what I mean. So I grew up in church. I've been in church uh, pretty much all my life. And, like, I'm talking about church, church. You know, church where Sunday was an event. I'll be back home at 9 p.m. That's how, that's the kind of church I grew up in. And uh, my mom's here on the front row, you know. I'm not looking at her, but that's the kind of church <laughs> that, I, that I grew up in. And when you are single in the church environment, it is different. Because once you hit a certain age, like 19, I'm joking. Once you hit an a, a age, it's like, yo, so you're not married yet? You don't have that, that church mother baby? When you going to find somebody? You, you thought about, you know, sister so-and-so or, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Like, it's, it's just everybody is wanting to, like, figure out your dating life. So it's very interesting. The pressure can be interesting. But this, maybe you say, I didn't grow up in church, so I, I don't understand that. You don't, you don't have to grow up in church. All you have to do is have some friends, have some family, go to uh, Thanksgiving, Right? Go to Christmas. You, you still don't have nobody? I mean, do you want to? You know you're not getting any younger. Like, come on, right? These, these are real conversations at, at Christmas. Or, or it's like, you know, they taking bets. You, you think you're going to be the same one from last year? Who, who is it going to be this time? Look, I'm not even going to worry knowing your name because it's going to be somebody else next year anyway. You know, this is, these are all real moments. But with all of that and the approach that people take, like there are so many lies about what it means to be single. So many lies about the single life. Like that whole thing, you guys, like that's, that's real. Josh's like, I'm good. He's like, I mean, but you could be happier. And that's the approach that people take. And, and I want to expose some lies about singleness this morning. Because I think we've come to believe the life that if you're single, that your life is not complete. At least we're made to believe that. 
that you don't live a complete life, but you live an incomplete life. But I want you to know that you can live a complete life, that your life can be full, can be vibrant, can be exciting and fulfilled. And so we're going to expose those lies uh, this morning. And if you're taking notes, we're going to get right to it. Here's the first lie that we're exposing. You can write this down. Singleness is a sickness. Singleness is a sickness. So as I said earlier, I promise that if you're married, that you should not, that we're going to talk to you and that you should not tune out. So this, this first point and how I want to come at it, I want to talk to you. So all the married people in here this morning, can we please stop treating our single friends, our single family, as if they are an issue to be solved rather than people to live life with? Are you tracking with me this morning? Because here's what happens. Somebody's single, 25, 35, whatever the age is, we will make it our life mission to find somebody for them. Yo, so I was at the store the other day, and I just, I, they, they were helping me. I was trying to find something, and I thought, man, this person would be perfect for you. So here's what I did. You're going to get a call later on. Like, <laughs> I know that seems drastic, but it's what we do. Like, we, we make it our mission as if they are an issue to be solved rather than people to live life with. Like, we always find ourselves trying to set them up with somebody. Okay, so, so, so what's your type? Like, okay, you know, tall, like, what do what, what you think? Athletic, like, like t- tell me, tell me so I can, I can keep an eye out. Which that, I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Anyway, I don't know if that should be your job. Anyway, okay, you, you, you're a little bit older, so you know there may be some standards that, you know, you may have to be flexible with, like, like you know, kid or, or, or no kid, previous married or not, like, like what, 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 so I can know. Like, we make it our mission. Or even if you don't take it that far, it could be found in just the, the passing comments. Maybe it's at work and like, hey, I got, I got the perfect person for you. I got somebody to meet. Hey, um, uh, Susan in accounting. Hey, hey, she's good with numbers. Like, come on. Right? We, we make it our life mission. And we treat them as if they're an issue to be solved. Or we act like they have a sickness that needs to be cured. And here's the mistake in this. Sometimes we approach people who are single as, like, as if it's an issue. But who says because I'm single that, that that's an issue? Who says that I'm not, I'm not living a full and complete life because I'm single? And so I think for all of us, uh, all, all, everyone who's married in here this morning, we have to retrain our brain on what we think about singleness. It's not an issue to be solved. It's not a sickness to be cured. That people, someone who is single is not living their life, waking up every day, asking the question, is today the day that I'm going to find someone? But they can live life on mission, life on purpose, life fulfilling the destiny and call that God has on their life. So they're not a, a, they don't have a sickness that needs to be cure, cured or an issue that needs to be solved. I think we have to ask ourselves, do we care more about 
the state of their, their souls or do we care about the state of their dating life? Because it's all about who are you with? Who are you dating? Who can I help you find? What, what, what is it that I can help you with? But when was the last time we asked the question, how is your soul? How is your connection to God? How are you getting through this moment? How, who, who are you connected to? All these things that should be questions of their soul rather than if they're keeping their bio updated on the latest dating service. And there's no, no issue with that as well. And so here's, here's with that. Here's what I've learned with that is that oftentimes the, the married friends who are constantly trying to set up their single friends are doing so because it's, it's not so much that they're concerned that their single friend gets in a relationship. It's because being focused on trying to set them up allows them to not think about how their marriage actually needs healing and actually needs attention and actually has some different issues and things going on. So if I can just focus on you, I don't have to focus on the issues that are in my own marriage. I don't have to focus how I've been sleeping on the couch. I don't have to focus that we're more roommates than we are co-laborers together. So all the married folks, we have to retrain how we approach our friends who are single. And with that being said, if you are single in here this morning, you can't take advice from everyone who is married. Come on. Like just because they're married don't mean they have it figured out. So you don't need to take advice from them just because they have said, I do. Because for some people who are married, the moment they said, I do, they might as well have said, I stop trying. Because they're not trying in their marriage. They're not pursuing their spouse anymore. That moment was just the moment. So what you have to do is look for those couples who have been married for some decades. You know why? Not, not, not some weeks. Like, that's cool. That's cute. You know, that's awesome. But I need, some, I need a couple that's been, been married for some decades because they've got some experience. They've been through some things. They, they have weathered the storms and the ups and downs that, that life will throw at you, but yet remain together. I, th- I think of a couple in here this morning, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. Like those, and if you don't know them, you got to get to know them. Because those are marriage goals. You know, Mr. Johnson and I will go grab coffee every now and then. And he's like, all right, I got to go. I got to get home to my wife. And like, that's what I'm talking about. A marriage that is full and vibrant and exciting. So we got to find some people, some couples that's, that's been married, that's been through some things to become our relationship goals. Lose the idea of the couples who pose and traveling everywhere on IG because they only came together for that pic. Meanwhile, they texting their friends about the stuff that they're trying to do outside of their spouse. Am I being too honest this morning? That's just the way we're going to do it anyway, even if the answer was yes. Now, the sermon is called, the message is called The Lies About Singleness. So we are going to talk to you this morning if you are single in here today. So don't think like, I like this. Come on. We, we, we're going to talk to you this morning. And, and, and by married. Excuse me, let me say this. When I say single, you're, you're single if, if you're not married, right? So if you haven't said, I do yet, you may be dating somebody. Y'all may have been dating for five years, but if you're not, not married, you're single. So, so this is a conversation for you as well 
um, and, 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 and you're, you're single. So here's what I'll say to you if you're single in here this morning. Singleness isn't a life to dismiss, but it's an opportunity to embrace. Singleness isn't a, a life to dismiss, but it's an opportunity to embrace. So many people are like, I'm just, I'm tired of being single. Lord, when are you going to send me somebody? <laughs> As a former youth pastor, a lot of our, our students of us, excuse me, a lot of our former students are kind of like getting at that point where they're getting married and, and all kind of things happen. And, and I just remember, you know, you'd be talk, talking to them. And it's always about some girl, about some guy. And you can gauge how things were on a Wednesday night based on how, like, they were worshiping, you know. Or, like, if that girl uh, or that guy came to um, Sunday morning service and the hands go up a little higher. Like, that work, they, they be all in it and just, just be getting it. But so many of them, and much more than that, like we, we would treat singleness as if it's something to dismiss. That I'm not even thinking about this. I'm not just trying to do anything. I'm just waiting and hurrying up to get through this moment of singleness. And I think what happens with that, we miss opportunities. We miss what God wants to do in us. We, we miss what God is actually preparing us for life. And, and we miss out on so many opportunities that are there in front of us because we look at our moment of singleness as a time to dismiss rather than something to embrace. And I think we even have to, if you are single, stop looking at like, well, I'm in a single season. Like, what is, what is that? First of all, I get the word season, but Christians were speaking away that you just be sitting there. You're like, what are you talking about? This seasons and all this stuff. Just speak normal. So if you have friends who, so if you have, if, if, if you don't know Jesus yet or, or whatever, and you in here and you're like, yeah, I do got Christian friends that be talking about seasons and stuff. I'm like, like fall, winter, spring, something like, what are you talking about? We, this, anyway, this is not the message. Paul lived his life, his singleness wasn't a season, it, it was his life. So I think the approach to take is not worrying about when this season is ending, but it's having a mindset of, I'm going to live the life that God has called me to live, regardless of whatever my marital status or dating status is. Because rushing to end your singleness could cause you to abort the very moments of life that shape you the most in who you are becoming. So we're talking about preparation, that God is calling us this year to, 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 to a place of preparation. Well, if you're trying to abort something that God hasn't told you to, to leave, then you're missing the very moments that are part of that shaping and developing process of who you are becoming. Like I think about, here's what else that will do. It'll cause you to lower standards that should not be lowered. It'll cause you to date people that you had no business dating. I'm thinking about my own experience and feeling that pressure of, of having to, to, to have someone, to, to know who it is. Because, I, you know, I put in my mind that at, at this age, I've got to find somebody and we've got to be married at this point, at this age. And that was the worst thing that I could have done. This on again, off again stuff just wasn't healthy at all. 
And I sit back now and I think about how I could have been preparing myself, like, not, not even for Katie, my wife, but just to be useful for the Lord, for opportunities that I could have taken advantage of. Because, at, you know, we're married with three kids. I can't take no crazy risks. Hey, Katie, we're going to do this and we're going to move, you know, 2,000 miles across. Like, she's going to look at me like, ha, who you been talking to? But when you're single and you're focused on where you're at, there are things that you can take advantage of, things that you can do. So it's not a life to dismiss, but it's an opportunity to embrace. And you're not embracing it because with the mindset that I'm preparing myself for who my spouse will be. No, this is about you and what God is doing in your life. That would just be a cool byproduct of it if that's the life that God has called you to. But you have to, we have to stop looking at the end goal is to find a spouse. That's, that's not what it is. But it's to empty ourselves out and to make ourselves useful for God. So singleness is not a part of life to dismiss, but it's an opportunity to embrace. Look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 7.32. He says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking of how to please him or an unmarried woman. Meaning, this is what Paul was saying, singleness is a gift, but here's the perspective of how some of us treat our singleness. This is how some of us treat our singleness. For some of us, singleness is a sentence to be freed from rather than a life to embrace I'm so tired of being single. When I'm going to find somebody, all my friends got somebody to help me. I'm so lonely. I'm Mr. Lonely. I have nobody. Y'all know the song. Come on, y'all should sing with me. No, don't do it. Right? But we treat singleness like it's a sentence, like we're in prison, like we can't live the life that God has called us to live. Listen, friends. Singleness isn't a sentence to be freed from. It's a life to embrace. And when you don't embrace singleness, you will end up in a relationship that you had no business being in. You will lower your standards just so that you can show up to the event. Come on. Who you are and the value you have is worth worth much more than that to look good for some picture, to try to impress people who you can never impress because they don't want to be impressed by you. And so we will get into situations, get into relationships, and nobody cares, right? But meanwhile, that person is adding so much baggage to our lives. If I could think about the people who have been derailed because they have allowed themselves to get into relationships that they had no business to be in. Listen, if you are single, you are not living a less than life. Do you hear me? Because some of us, some of the people who are married are not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're not allowing the Lord to be the center of of their lives and of their marriage. And if we're honest, 
They're people who should have never been married. And so you're seeing them and you're looking at them and you're saying, I want a life like that. Meanwhile, they go home and all they do is fight and argue and are never on the same page. So don't look to change your status because you think that'll make life look different. That'll make you feel fulfilled. No, you can live a full, vibrant, fulfilled life right now as someone who is single. Are you tracking with me this morning? And I think sometimes while we do this, it's because we will tie worth to who we are in relationship with. But listen, your worth isn't defined by who you are in relationship with. Your worth is defined by Jesus. Look at the price that was paid for our lives. For God so loved the world that he gave. You have value. Don't you lower your standards. Don't you devalue yourself. You have worth. Don't tie your worth to someone. I love Katie so much, but she does not ascribe value to my life. It is Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. So, and she would say the same, like, I love you, but you ain't all that. (laughs) And that's the way it should be. So just because you're living single doesn't mean you're living unfulfilled. Because the reality check is neither your spouse nor your potential spouse can fulfill you. I know you might get lost in their eyes. I know you might start singing Brian McKnight back at one. (laughs) One, no, I'm just joking. But they can't fulfill you. The ultimate fulfillment is in Christ. And I know you may say, well, that's easy saying this, you know, you're married. But again, look at what Paul talked about. Someone who was never married. He said, look, you should just be single like I am. Paul was like, I'm good. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can take Paul's word for it. Here's another lie we're exposing. My calling depends on my status. My calling depends on my status. You know, there are different, uh, there are many differences between the way culture views marriage and the way church views marriage. You know, within the church world, it's like, I right, hurry up and get married. Because once you get married, you can, you know, fulfill your calling and God will be able to use you and all this different stuff. While within culture, culture's like, culture's questioning if you should even get married. Like, why would you do that? I understand, you know, ears in the room, but it's like, you're signing up to just be one person? Really? That's, that's what you're going to do? That's, that's what culture says. Okay, if you do get married, if it don't work out, no big deal. You know, there's billboards around town like, hey, help you get a divorce. And then you can go find somebody else. That's the way culture looks at it. In fact, so even now, this is according to 2021, women get married, the average age that women get married is 29. And for men, it's 30. So people are getting married at a later age compared to other generations. And, and, and going back to church, so church will look at you like, if you're not married by, 20, by 22, by the age of 22, people are trying to figure out, like, yo, what's, what's wrong with you? Like, are, are, are you not trying? And I think the reason why is because there's almost this mindset that you will not fulfill your calling until you are married. And you can see this played out if you look at churches, I mean, we're church, I'm talking about us. I'm not using they language. We are the church. 
So if you look at churches, you can see, all right, how many single people are often placed on staff at churches? Not, not very many. They can serve strong and they can do well. But, oh, man, they're not, if they would only find somebody, then they would be useful. This, this is not said, but, but this is kind of what is communicated. Right? It's, 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 it's not explicitly said, but it's shown through actions. Because you don't see many single people who lead ministries. But can I tell you this, family? Your calling isn't determined by your marital status. You are called. Right? You were chosen. You were called. You were formed. You were fashioned outside of whoever you would marry or potentially marry one day. Look at 2 Timothy 1.9. This is Paul. He says this. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So it doesn't say he has saved us and called you and your potential spouse. Like we're us, it's us. We're, we're, we're considered in this, this text here. And then it goes on to say, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So if our ability to fulfill our calling is determined on our marital status, here's what we got to answer. I've been alluding to it already this morning. What do we do with Paul? So for those of you who may not be familiar, Paul was an apostle at one point in his life, he made it his mission to destroy anyone who believed in Jesus until he had this radical moment where he encountered Jesus and his life changed, his, the course of his life changed. And he went on to, to plant churches. He went on to provide uh, most of the, the, the New Testament uh, writings that we have today. But Paul was, was never married. Paul was a single man. So what we say today that Paul, one, he was called to Jesus. We all have that calling, and he give us unique ways that we express that out. So will we say that Paul didn't fulfill his calling? I mean, we're reading some of his writings this morning. Some say he's the greatest apostle ever. So I think it's very clear. We can answer that question. Yes, Paul fulfilled his call. Look at 1 Timothy 2.7. says this, and I have been chosen, this is Paul talking, as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. He said, look, I ain't lying. I'm just telling the truth. So your ability to fulfill your calling isn't based on if you're married or not. It's based on what God has ordained for your life. It's based on what he has said to you before you even knew who you were or what you were. So here's what, what I'm asking us to do. Do not buy the lie that the only way you can fulfill your calling is by being married. Because God didn't call y'all, he called you. That's awesome. If you get married, that's great. That's awesome. But guess what? Your, your mission is to still fulfill that call. It's to continue to live that out, what God has called you to. So don't look at yourself as having a half calling because you don't have a better half. No, 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 no. The things that God has placed on your life, he's called you to walk that out. 
You can live this with this mindset that what God has placed in you is to answer prayer to some prayer that someone is praying. And that's not based on if you have a spouse or not. Because then the other question that we have to ask is, well, what do we do with Jesus? Jesus was a single man, never married. So surely we would say Jesus fulfilled his mission here on earth. There's a reason why he said it is finished. Because it was finished. What he was sent here for, what he was called to do, he fulfilled that, yet he was never married. And so what we're doing, we're dismissing the lie that your calling depends on your marital status. Here's another lie that we're exposing this morning. It's this lie. Once I'm married, I won't deal with that anymore. And by the response, you're like, yes. Because there is this lie that exists that once I get married, all my problems are going to go away. Like, have, have you heard of that one? Have you said that one, thought that one yourself? And I think the reason why some of us think that marriage will change what we deal with is because we see marriage as the sacrament that transforms our lives rather than the sacrifice of Jesus that positioned our lives to be transformed. So it's not marriage. Yes, it's a sacrament of the church, but it's not marriage that transforms you. It's, it's the work of Jesus Christ and what has been made available in this process that we go on, the spiritual formation that we've been talking about, being spiritually formed and becoming like Jesus that brings transformation in our lives. So some of us, we see marriage as that thing that will fix our problems. We see marriage as something that will make us happy. Well, God is not about making us happy. Rather, he's about making us holy. And holy, holiness just means, often that's a word that we shy away from or, or we don't use because it's been misused as a, as a place of, of, of legalism and all this. But holiness begins by setting ourselves apart for God. It's about what I'm being set apart for, that I'm setting myself apart for him. It's like if you have your food in the refrigerator at work, you put your name on it. There's all this other food, but this is being set apart. This is mine. This is for me. So holiness is about God being placed on us, and we're setting ourselves apart for him. And it's setting ourselves apart for him is what brings change. But the reality is many of us believe marriage will bring that change, that marriage brings that transformation. But let me just tell you, if you're selfish before marriage, you're going to be selfish in marriage. Like if you struggle with it now, listen, you're going to struggle with it then, right? Because what marriage is, marriage is a magnifier. It will magnify the issues that are already there. So never, never take the approach like, oh, that's going to change when we get married. I'm, I'm going to cook for him every day. And so it's going to change. Oh, just ignore that. He, he's really a good person. Nah, nah, dog, she really loved me. She really loved me. I know she spent a lot of times with her friends, but I promise you, that's going to change when we get married. Then you get married and you still never see her. Right? Again, if I say something in his head, I don't know nobody's story. When I get married, I'm going to stop sleeping around, I promise. I'm going to stop watching stuff that I shouldn't. 
be watching when I get married because there, there'll be no need to watch it then. You know, I'm, I'm going to be less selfish. I'm going to think of others. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work on my character when I get married. Family, that's just not the case. In fact, oftentimes we'll bring those things into marriage and, and it, it multiplies those issues that are already there. So then what is the fix? The fix is to fix the problems now. It's to focus on those issues now. It's to lay those things down now. I think about people who experience brokenness and hurt. And oftentimes when you're dating someone, it can seem as if that brokenness and that hurt is gone because you found someone. And it's not even brokenness related to relationships. There's any type of brokenness or hurt or pain or disappointment that you felt in your life. If you don't truly submit that thing to the Lord, it can become an issue in your marriage. Because oftentimes what happens in those early days Days, everything is good and easy because you're on cloud nine and it's the honeymoon and all that. But what happens when your spouse disappoints you? What happens when a situation that, that you didn't like played out in a way that you didn't expect? It becomes a trigger. And so all those things that were issues before, they begin to rise up. And so then you will look at them as like, oh, because now your perspective has been hurt. They're going to hurt me. They're going to disappoint me. And so all these things that are not fixed before will become issues now. So if you're, if you're already married and that's the case, so what do you do? You have to truly submit those things to the Lord. Because the enemy will, oh, he will have a field day of putting all kind of triggers in front of you and all kind of opportunities in front of you for you to go astray. So what we have to do is submit the pain, submit the hurt, submit the disappointment, submit the addiction, submit all of it to the Lord and ask him, to, to deliver me from this, to, to renew my mind, to create a right spirit within me. But we have to fix the problems now. That's why we spent the first month of this year talking about becoming. Because that question that we're asking was, who am I becoming? Because who we are becoming is vital, it's important to our walk in life, to our journey in life. So listen, don't worry about who you will find. Instead, focus on who you will become. Focus on who you are becoming. Because if you don't, you'll find yourself settling for someone that you were never intended to be with. You'll find yourself valuing potential more than patterns. Please don't dismiss patterns. Because patterns are revealing who, who they are. And that's only going to get magnified with marriage. It's like people who are married have problems and they say, let's have a kid. The, fi- the kid ain't going to fix it. The kid's going to make it worse because that kid going to cry. That kid going to, I don't care what book you've read. I don't care how you think you know and it's different than them. It ain't going to be different. Kids are kids. Yeah, there's some things we learned through the years, but that kid is going to cry. It's going to do that. And it's not going to do it at the time you want to. It's going to be two in the morning. It's going to be three in the morning. Just when you got it to sleep. The baby to sleep. It's not it. <laughs> so don't have a kid thinking that's going to fix the problem. It's going to magnify the thing. Pay attention to patterns. Do not value potential more than patterns. You will dismiss character issues and ignore all the red flags. Pay attention to the red flags. They're there for a reason. And here's the last thing. I'm close with this. Matthew, if you come. Here's another lie that we're exposing. The right one will show up. Can I tell you the truth? You will not find the one. 
The one, it just doesn't exist. We're soulmates. No, you're not. You're two, you're two people who said yes and you're willing to do the work and that's why it's worked. There is no soulmate. That's not how it goes. You were made for me. No. They were not. Like, you know, there, I don't know how many billions of, there's so many people in the world and how many of those people are men that were available to Katie. Like, there was someone else that Katie could have married and that it would have worked and it would have great. Now, that person's an idiot, right? But that's, 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 the, that's just the truth. The point that I'm making is that we say yes to each other and we're willing to do the work every single day. We fight, we argue, like all that happens Sometimes on Sunday morning, we're like, are you ready? Let's get it together. We've got to get it together. I love you. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> Sometimes over what to eat. Sometimes we're saying the same thing and just in different ways. And you're like, wait a minute. You said, I agree with that too. Oh, we didn't waste it. But you're not going to find the one. The one is just not going to show up. It's not about finding the one. It's about finding someone that you can build with, that you can work together with so here's what I will say because if you are single and you actually do desire to be married just say yes to the coffee oh my gosh it's coffee and you, will you quit ghosting people that is not a character that is character trait that is attractive to anybody stop ghosting like you millennials I'm one and you Gen Z folks like stop ghosting it ain't cute Lose that trend. Let it stop. Because, no, it's just not, and it's just coffee. You can go to some coffee. There's lots of people there. If it don't work, cool. Don't tell nobody, like, hey, I'm going to get back with you in, like, four months. Just say I'm not interested. <laughs> I got to finish. But you're not going to find a one. If you go on a date and it doesn't work, okay, you just went on a date. Hey, it didn't work out. Cool. No pressure. But here's the thing I want you to get if you're single in here this morning. Just because you're living a single life does not mean you're living an unfulfilled life. That is it. You can forget everything else. That's what I want you to hear. Because God has called you. He's chosen you. And you can accomplish those things that he's placed on your heart. And you don't have to think you have a half calling because you haven't found a better half. You can do whatever God has called you to do. Take the position of David. In Psalms 27, Psalm 27, 4, this is what he says. One thing I ask the Lord. The one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Some translations say, would then say, to, to worship him in his temple. Live a life of worship. Let it be, Lord, you are the one thing that I desire. You are what I seek the most. Reminds me of an encounter with Martha and Mary and Jesus. And, and Martha's so busy and so concerned about all these things. And, and Jesus says, listen, just relax. Mary's found the right thing, the one thing. Focus on the Lord. Let that be your attention.
and what he has for your life. If, if you're supposed to be married, great. You're going to figure that out. But if not, you don't live a half of life, but you can live a full, vibrant, and exciting life. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we're grateful, we're thankful for our time together. God, thank you for exposing these lies that many of us have come to believe. God, that if we, if we are single in here in this place this morning, Lord, that we're not an issue to be solved. That, that we're not living within a sentence. Lord, actually living in, in a moment that is a great opportunity. God, to make ourselves more useful for you to fulfill what you have called us to. Lord, that our calling is not based on our dating status, our marital status, but it's based on this fact that you've called us, Lord, before we were even in our mother's womb, Lord. You had a plan and purpose for our lives. God, that we don't have to wait that marriage isn't the end goal. But God, it's, it's you. It's pleasing you. It's putting a smile on your face. And that's just simply living a life of obedience to you and, and welcoming the, the, the spiritual formation process. And Lord, it's not about finding the one. But Lord, it's about how we are found by you. So if you are in here this morning, the beginning of living a fulfilled life is a life in Christ. Whether you're single this morning or, or married this morning, I want to extend this invitation to you to begin the journey of life that brings the ultimate fulfillment. That no matter who disappoints you, no matter who upsets you, no matter who lets you down, that you will not be thrown off, you will not be shaken because your fulfillment is found in Christ by making him Lord and Savior of your life. So with no hesitation, if that's you this morning, I just want to lead you in a prayer. If you want to say yes to Jesus this morning and go on a spiritual journey with him by making him Lord and Savior of your life, would you just raise your hands across this place? I just want to pray with you this morning. Just raise them high where I can see him. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I see you. Amen. I'm going to ask those of us who raise our hand, to, to repeat this after me and I'm going to invite all of us to repeat this as well. So Lord Jesus forgive me of my sins give me a brand new start I believe in you I believe that you are Lord and Savior you died on the cross and you rose three days later giving me access to eternal life so today, I put my faith in you that no longer will I look for other things to fulfill me. You are my fulfillment. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said.